Hi, Filmatic. Thanks for tuning in. Today, we have a very special guest, John Duesenberry. He's a story artist and animator and writer known for his work on Space Jam, A New Legacy, Scoop, and Disney's DuckTales. Let's welcome John Duesenberry to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. It's good to be here. You're welcome. Had some little jam and music there. Uh, <laughs> Always good. Little, yeah. little, little Twin Peaks vibes. I love it. Yeah, we had um, a nice scalding hot uh, Labor Day's weekend here in LA. <laughs> yes, yes, it was brutal. 115 where I was. It's tough. Oh my gosh. So I'm assuming you're more in the valley? Well, I had to go into the valley. I had to go into Burbank for an appointment. Uh, we're usually here in Los Feliz. It was slightly, slightly, it was only 106. So, you know. Much cooler. I'm like, yeah, like our 106 <laughs> is cooler than 115. Yeah, like, oh my gosh. Oh my. Fine. So, wow, it's really hot for us Californians, especially I don't have air conditioning. <laughs> I'm so sorry to hear that. And I have a husky, a woolly husky. So we have just been eating uh, ice popsicles a lot. <laughs> uh, beautiful. Yeah, I have a husky. He just finds the coldest spot in the house and lies on the floor. You have a husky too. What's his name? Yeah, Caspian. Caspian, I love it. Caspian. Yeah. Yeah. He's a good dog. Yeah. I have a girl. Her name's Thursday. He's a boy. Yeah, we should get him to, to meet up. Oh, yeah. The dog park. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so John, did you grow up in Los Angeles? I did. I grew up in Manhattan Beach. Uh, my dad moved over from the other Manhattan when he was in his 20s, 30s. Uh, and, and yeah, they all moved here. I met my mom here. I grew up down in the South Bay. So it was a fun experience, you know, growing up a few blocks from the beach. Oh, now that is awesome. So wait, you, yeah. your dad's from Manhattan, New York. So he's and... from Manhattan, New York. From, 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 well, he, he was born in Manhattan, raised in Long Island. Wow. Uh, and he said, okay, I'm going to come to California. Might as well just move to Manhattan Beach. It makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I think his, his younger brother moved out and then his older sister moved out. I forget in which order. And then he quickly followed. Uh, oh. now, now we're all here. Now we're all Californians, but with New York blood. California dreaming. Do you do you bike on the beach or skateboard and do all that fun stuff? Uh, oh yeah, down on the Strand. I, I remember growing up riding my bike from Manhattan Beach to Venice and back, um, skateboarding, surfing, the whole, the whole, yeah, the whole lot. Oh wow, that's awesome. So, did you have a favorite movie growing up as a kid? I did, um, and I would be lying if I didn't say it, it was Back to the Future, <laughs> which isn't you know the most prestigious film, but it is. I would say arguably one of the greatest films ever made. Yeah, um, especially since yeah. you were a skateboarder. What did you think of that flying skateboard, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, that, that, those those skateboarding scenes and hanging out the back of police cars, that was always a dream. Um, and yeah, I'm sure I attempted that in my youth. Yeah, that yeah. that was just so magical. You're like, that's so fun. And of course, the quirky science scientists. And... Oh, it was great. It's such a great, great film. Yeah, um, I remember yeah. Um, when Universal had the Back to the Future ride, it was really fun. Oh. I was there, yeah, once a month, I think. I, I used to ask my parents to take me, and my mom took me and introduced me to the whole back lot tour. You got to see the clock tower, and they had the ride, and it was just, it was, literally felt like you were living in the movies. They had the E.T. ride there, too, also a great movie. Oh, wow, i never yeah. been to the E.T. ride. It was great, and E.T., there was an animatronic E.T. on the ride, and he would talk to you at the end, and so at the beginning of the ride, you put your name in, and at the end, he would say, goodbye, John. David, right? And so, but we would think of the most ridiculous names just to try to trip him up or to see if he would actually say it. So we would, you know, goodbye, Mustafa. And <laughs> like, it's to see how far we could push it. If, if it was too far, he'd just like, goodbye, friend. And then if it was me and my friends, you'd have like 
five or six of those in a row. Like, goodbye, friend. Goodbye, friend. Goodbye, <laughs> that is funny, friend. Mustafa. How, you were making these really complicated names, and this 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 ET got uh, outsmarted you. Like, goodbye, friend. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. He kept it on a so positive note. Yeah. Should have known. Oh, that's sweet. That's really sweet. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah, and so um, I got to ask you: Did you also did you go with your dad or your brothers, or what, did you go to movie theaters back then? Right. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, we went all the time. You know, my dad would always take us to the movies. Um, we in Manhattan Beach it was great. We had these little small theaters. We had a three dollar theater we would go to. I remember seeing Jurassic Park in the three dollar theater. Nice. Um, it was amazing, and it scared my brother so much he jumped up out of his seat and ran out of the theater. What? what? Oh my <laughs> it was, god! It was right when the big T Rex comes out, <laughs> and it was just the perfect. I wish that you know the whole cast could have seen it because they did their job well. <laughs> they scared him. Yeah, I just did a, a dinosaur story for my kids' podcast. Um, oh, cool! Yeah, it's called My Pet Dinosaur Blimpy, and um, it was the first time that I used sound effects for because like the kids you normally get like music and in my fake French, my fake English accent, uh, yeah. and my high and low. And, um, and so I had dinosaur sound effects and I think like, I, I just was like, just kept pressing the button, like, and it'd be like, roar, roar, roar. and I, I was like, I go, and I asked my friend with the kids, I go, I think I put a lot of that roar in there cause I was obsessive and I just yeah. couldn't stop punch, punching the button cause it sounded so good. She goes, well, oh yeah, that's yeah. what she said. She said, don't worry. The kids will love that stuff. So I'm like, I hope they yeah. like it. You know, it's certainly my kids they have those little books with the little sound icons you can press. And I think one of them is a dinosaur book. And they just, that's all they do. They don't read the pages. They just push those buttons to hear the, oh. the roar, the pterodactyl, the T-Rex. Ah, that's yeah. awesome. I hope I, I hope my 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 pet dinosaur blimpy becomes a book for the kids. Yeah. That sounds great. Otherwise, yeah. they're just stuck with enchanting book readings, listening to the audio for now, you know? <laughs> Not either. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you, do you have a favorite yeah. Criterion movie? Criterion movies? You know, yeah. Um, well, I'll say no. Uh, I do, but here's what I'm going to say about this. Uh, you know, you, you could get me talking about Criterion Collection. For, we could be here for days. Oh, yeah. Um, but, you know, the, the last time I looked at the top 100, I was kind of shocked that a certain movie wasn't on the list. And that is The Shawshank Redemption. And I cannot believe it's not in there. I mean, it has all the pieces. Uh, you know, I, I think it is wrongfully omitted, and I hope it finds its way into it soon. Uh, but, you know, it's... It's a masterpiece and i understand that like it pretty much tanked when it came out and it wasn't until you know tv started playing it in reruns that it grew to it, i think it grew beyond a cult classic i mean everybody knows that movie now um and it's one of those films that you know whenever it's on no matter what is happening you're gonna sit down on the couch and watch it to completion until red gives that little speech about hope that brings you to tears at the end um but you know, it's a Stephen King short, which is among his best works. Uh, was it Frank Darabont was the the director? You know, he did like the Green Mile. He's gone on to do The Walking Dead and stuff like that. Uh, Thomas Newman did the score. You know, he's known for what has he done recently? James Bond and American Beauty and Finding Nemo and things like that. Roger Deakins is DP. I mean, it just has all all the pieces of a great, incredible film, and uh, it, it deserves a place in the Criterion Collection. Oh, well, I wonder if maybe it's not in the top 100, but it, I thought, I thought I, wonder, I, saw, yeah. it, I, thought I it, saw it in there. I hope it is. Yeah. I, I just remember seeing that top 100 list. I'm like, how is, how is that movie not in the top 100? <laughs> yeah. um, it's so interesting too, that film, you know, it's uh, structurally, it's one of the few films where 
the main character, like the one that you see the story through, isn't the protagonist, right? Like you see the story through the Morgan Freeman character, through Red, but the protagonist, the one who's actually going after the goal of escaping prison, is Andy. So you have this this split perspective where you have Andy taking the objective stuff. We only learn what Andy does when Red learns it, um, and it's such an interesting story structure. You know, and, and it just has everything. It's got the whole range of emotions. It's mostly a drama, but there's tons of comedy in there, hope. You know, it's it's a, it's a prison film, but somehow it's one of the most inspiring films. It's just such an anomaly. Um, I think, yeah, next to Back to the Future, that might be uh, my second favorite film. Yeah, and speaking of, because you're a story editor at Warner Brothers, so it means you are like one of the, 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 head, the head people that they go to. Like you're like the showrunner of animation, right? Kind of. So, so yeah, uh, my last gig, I was the uh, head of story on a, it was a Scooby-Doo movie. That actually, you might have seen in the news, the one that got shelved. Oh. Uh, yeah. And, 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 and the real tragedy there is uh, that it's complete. Like the film was finished. What? It's kind of unprecedented how they shelved that. Um, and, uh, from what I understand, it has to do with like tax write-offs. And I don't know legally if it, it'll eventually be able to be shown, but it's finished. We're done. Wow. Um, but yeah, to answer your first question, um, I was the head of story on that. And prior to that, I was a storyboard artist. Um, and so both of those positions, you know, you're a bit of a writer, you're a bit of a director, like a mini director. Um, you kind of lay the groundwork of, of the, whole, the whole pipeline of, of what's going to come next. Um, yeah. That answers that. <laughs> yeah. So, so being so being a story editor and writer, is there um, a film that you would have loved to have written that you watch? Go, oh, I wish I could have written that. Or, I mean, aside from Back to the Future, yeah. Josh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I wonder if you know. I used to be a big Spielberg fan. I mean, I still am a big Spielberg fan. But I think anything that's able to sort of grab a universal audience, like his films do. Um, or conversely, uh, somebody like David Lynch, who is such a niche audience. Yeah. Uh, I, I kind of love both ends of that spectrum. And uh, basically anything, either of those two guys, except for David Lynch's Dune. I mean, if, if I, that's kind of my, where I aspire to. Uh, so if I could do that, or, or you know, um, I think when I was a kid, the film I wished I had done was, uh, uh, Pulp Fiction. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I, I have a bit of history we can get into, but like there's there's uh, something about that film and the guys making films around that time just made it seem so accessible, right? You had Quentin Tarantino, you had Kevin Smith, you had Robert Rodriguez, and there were these kind of like nobody guys who worked at video shops uh, that made it big. And, so, you know, prior to that, it was like, well, you have to know somebody to get into the film industry or you have to get super lucky, which they did. Um, but to really have multiple cases where people who are essentially me uh, uh, were able to go on and create films that, that shook the industry. Uh, I think those are the types of films I wish I could make. And, and right now I'm definitely feeling the urge after having been in this industry for gosh, almost two decades um, to shake things up. I hope I get the opportunity to do so. Yeah. And speaking of, so you were talking about Quentin Tarantino and um and all the guys. They, they yeah, they came. It's funny. Like uh 
uh, like you said, they came from these video stores. Cause like back then yeah. we, we would watch videos. And when I was like directing my first little short, I would study videos. I would like watch yeah. them over right. and over again. So there's, that was our education. If you couldn't go expend, spend a hundred thousand dollars a year to go to one of these expensive film schools. Cause they're very pricey, you know? Right. And I know he, he talks about getting the job at the video store. I've seen a couple interviews where he mentions like, wow, it must've been such a great, learning experience for you to work at these video stores and he's like yes and no he's like yes i was there and i, I was just watching films and you know making my own films but it was kind of the case where he already was that guy and that's why they hired him at this shop which by the way before quentin tarantino was quentin tarantino uh we knew him in the hat beach as just quentin our quirky video store guy i really because we weren't too far from that little shop the the, um, the video archive store and so growing up he was my my guy like he was the guy we went into the shop and he was the quirky guy behind the counter and all of his stories are a hundred percent true um and for a long time you know he, he not only turned me on to a lot of films but uh it, it, as soon as we realized he was the same quentin we were seeing on the big screen after he left the video store uh he really became a huge inspiration because i was like gosh i interacted with this guy he introduced me to john hughes movies you know he they all, all sorts of recommendations and just watching him work he, he always had like a like a hot um what do you call it like a little popcorn machine with hot pop popcorn in the corner and he would just pass it out for free and then he'd talk about movies just an absolute encyclopedia about everything he knew everything about every movie he could just rattle off the credits and then tell you who did what everything else um yeah so it's 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 guys like him are a huge inspiration to me um, and it was it was a real honor looking back to have actually known him that he yeah. was the actual your video store guy in Manhattan he was Beach. yeah you know there, we had a handful of guys over in Manhattan Beach we had like Marty who worked at the gas station this guy Johnny who worked at the McDonald's and then Quentin who worked at the video store and he was just this quirky guy I think it was Quentin and Roger right and we just that was how we knew them and then one day Quentin's not working there anymore. We wonder what happened. And then they closed the shop. I'm like, oh, that's too bad. We have to go to Hollywood Video or Blockbuster, one of these big chains. That's just not the same experience. Um, and then we started seeing his name in lights, and we were like, Quentin Tarantino. I wonder if that's the same guy. And and, and they actually opened up a branch again in Hermosa Beach. They moved from Manhattan to Hermosa, I think, just after Reservoir Dogs. Um, and then, yeah, it, it's just, you know, news spread, all the local papers, you know, local video store, man, makes it big, you know. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, it was incredible. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was fun to grow up around that kind of stuff. It's fun to watch movies and get recommendations. That's why we love talking about like Criterion films or oh, our yeah. favorite film growing up. You're like, oh yeah. Like it just brings all these great memories back. And yes. you're like, I, did I watch it with my dad or my mom or my sisters and who spilled all the popcorn and like who ate all the milk duds? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was great. Yeah. And then, you know, we, my, my dad would take me to movies mostly, you know, we, we would go to this small little theater, the Manhattan Village Mall. And uh, it was always great. And then I, I remember distinctly like on the drive home, we would just talk about the film and he would ask us, you know, what's your favorite part of the movie? What did you like? What didn't you like? Uh, you know, he, he was really into film and into musicals. Um, he, he writes music himself. And uh, it was just, you know, he was kind of tangent to that whole world. His cousin was a filmmaker. Uh, I think he was a screenwriter, actually. Uh, David Lewis, I forget what he worked on. Uh, but he knew Ned Beatty and such. So we would go to Ned Beatty's house occasionally for parties. 
I remember one time at Ned Beatty's house, I forget what the occasion was, but my little brother had just been born. He was maybe a few months old and Ned was wearing this beautiful white suit, this amazing party. And, uh, you know, we're chatting and stuff and somehow my little baby brother knocked over a glass of red wine all over Ned Beatty's white suit. Oh, wow. But Ned, Ned was wonderful. And the nicest guy. He just kind of laughed it off. Uh, but, but, you know, I was like, I don't know, eight or nine years old, maybe. And I was quickly sent, I think, with my brother inside to watch The Jungle Book upstairs in his bedroom. <laughs> like, let's, let's rally the kids to the house. <laughs> yeah. I now have this tie-dyed red uh, jumpsuit. Wow. That's like, that's, that's nice. Some people could get mad. So that's a good, that's good. Yeah. Because... He did not get mad. He was, he was a really, really nice guy from what I remember. Yeah. Did he change the suit? <laughs> I don't know. I was I was watching Jungle Book. I didn't think. Yeah, I didn't get to see the rest of the party. He's like, well, what's his next suit? Uh, a red suit? Yeah. <laughs> He's now wearing a red suit. Wow. So, um, I, so you also like so your start. You so can I ask you? You went to Cal Arts, right? I did. Yeah, I went to Cal Arts. It was a journey to get there. Uh, but yeah, I went there uh, for four years. Um, it was yeah, like the. You know, I, I didn't know immediately. I didn't even know about CalArts, uh, but somewhere after high school, I, I, I had opened like a web design studio, and um, you know, I was pushing websites back in the year nineteen ninety nine, two thousand, when nobody knew what a website was or the fact that they needed one. And then on top of that, I was trying to push like, we can create like an intro to your website, so when they land on your page, there'll be some cool animations and this and that. Characters will guide you around and sort of introduce people to a website. Um, and so I ran that for about three years. We, we got some fairly big clients. Um, we were doing like Warehouse Music's website and uh, the Edison company, like our company, we did their website. Wow. Uh, but I, yeah, so we, we were doing okay, but I wasn't doing okay personally because I realized all I really want to do is those animated intros. And I, I just, I was still interested in film and in, in writing and so I, I wanted to find a way out. So we eventually closed the business. And then my dad helped me figure out, um, and I think at the time, CG animation was big. And like the third Pixar film had come out. And so I, you know, I always loved to draw. I always loved to write. I love movies. Since, since I could draw, uh, we sort of came up with a loose game plan to get into CalArts, where we heard that all those Pixar guys went to school. And then later I found out, you know, it was, it was a, I think it was the Chouinard Institute in Chicago was transferred over here by Walt Disney and his artists as a place to breed more animators. Um, so we, I, I, I had a long journey of going to Santa Monica College and going to life drawing classes, taking character animation and storyboarding, and just getting a portfolio so I could get into CalArts. Because if, if anybody you know uh, is new to that school, it's 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 a prestigious school that like you have to come in at a certain level uh, to even get accepted into the program. Um, and then they very much don't teach you uh, how to draw or any of the basics you, you have to already know. Um, so, so they really want you to be uh, self-taught self or self-motivated. And they really, you know, every year you have to make a film by yourself, from start to finish. Um, at the same time that you have to build a portfolio to try to show all the studios to get hired. Wow. So you basically are, you, you, you got to do it all by yourself. Yeah. I mean, a few people team up and they make group projects, but mostly it's by yourself. Um, you're encouraged to do it by yourself. Um, 
and it's a really it's a great learning experience to make a film from start to finish by yourself whether you complete it or not whether it's good or not just having to do every piece of the puzzle uh for you four years in a row for some people um, it's it's uh it's a challenge and it, it really did prepare me i think for um this industry to, to have that under my belt to have that amount of experience and, and just the know-how of how to put together something presented um, yeah it was, it was it was a great experience i really liked going there it, it was a bit like um going to hogwarts in a way <laughs> Um, complete with like random staircases that seem to go to nowhere and like weird levels underneath the building and there was a bunch of ghosts wandering around that people claimed to see uh it was it was intense yeah it was it was a fun experience oh wow so so then you so you you made it into cal arts which is so prestigious so congratulations so, oh thank you yeah. so your love of animation from doing websites of all things <laughs> and then i mean yeah I loved animation before that, but yeah, that, that was my experience thus far with animation. Aside from little drawings and flipbooks I made, uh, yeah, that was that was. What was, was what was your drawing like? What is, do you have an animal or like a character? Like, what's your character or animal? That you oh, draw? Um, I think I. It's a cliche, but I think I drew a lot of bears and squirrels. Bears and squirrels. <laughs> Which, yeah, they're they're fun characters to draw. I think my first year was a, a a film about a squirrel. It was about a, a a guy who goes to the Grand Canyon and then a squirrel tries to steal his lunch. <laughs> and, and so it, it was based on a real experience that happened to me at the Grand Canyon too. Um, so I turned that, and then yeah, I forgot. Yeah, I think I made a film about a dog. It was like a ghost story about a dog. And then I can't remember my third year film. But then my last year film was like a group of bears. Um, they were all very autobiographical. Um, I think the last film was about like bears having to leave their neck of the woods, which was very much for me. Like I'm done with school now, and here I go to the real world. Where, being sent off yeah and i owe it's, it's all kind of student loans <laughs> <laughs> yeah let's not talk about those i just now paid those off oh my gosh <laughs> it wasn't their forgiveness aren't we being forgiven for a student loan? i know yeah and then, then then we see that news and i'm like cool you're cool. like can can, can <laughs> i mean it's great it can the be older done, but... kids have their loans student loans yeah, can, can we have something paid back maybe yeah. we, maybe that's the next tier of this program anybody <laughs> who has paid student loans pay them down we'll get a refund yeah, so that's amazing. Yeah, I, well, I have a couple of bear stories, so maybe we can team up. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, bears are really popular on the channel. So, so you you determined that like animation, you went the four years, and then yeah, let's see. Let I'm gonna see. Uh, so we have a few minutes here to go. So, what was your next yeah. step? Did you you had your portfolio, and how do you get? Did you get well, your? What was your next step? Did you get a job right yeah. away, or? Uh, no, there's a few steps along the way that looking back, I wish I had handled differently. Um, the first of which was my first year, that film about the squirrel was all 2D animated, like drawn by hand. Um, and it got the notice of the Walt Disney Studio. And so I got a callback on the portfolio day from Walt Disney Studios asking if I wanted to be part of their animation mentorship program over the summer. Um, and then they asked me this key question at the end, like, you know, you'll sit down with them and you get a call bag, there's a call sheet and everything, and it's really nerve wracking. Uh, and then you have an interview, basically. It's, it's like a job interview. Um, and at the end of the interview, they asked me, if you were to come to our program, would you want to go back to school and complete your degree? Now, I was, I had just been one year and it had been, you know, gosh, I think in total, like a six year journey to get to CalArts. 
And, you know, my family all went to Princeton and places like that. So in my mind, I'm like, well, I need a college degree. So I answered, well, yeah, I mean, I'd love to do the program, but I think, yeah, ultimately, uh, I'd, I'd probably want to come back and get my degree. So their answer was pretty much, okay, well, we'll let you know. And I was like, oh, no. I was <laughs> like, oh, shoot. And then I talked to my story mentor at the time. And he was like, dude, you should have said yes, either way. He's like, that's them asking you, like, are you going to invest in us? And I was just young and I guess kind of naive about it all. And I was like, oh, you really think so? He's like, dude, I know so. I know the people who interviewed you. Like, you, yeah. He's like, I don't want to say you messed it up, but like, you know, <laughs> hopefully they'll call you back next year. But they didn't. They didn't call me back the rest of the time I was there. I think my third year, I got a call back from Pixar uh, for the story department because I was slowly transitioning over to maybe I'll do story. After two years of not getting picked up by Disney for animation, and then I heard rumblings that animation was kind of on its way out anyway. Um, I slowly started to go over to story, even though it wasn't hundred percent what I wanted to do at the time. Uh, so I got a call back from Pixar uh, and I did the interview and then they only had a limited amount of spaces though. Um, and I think, you know, it was like they had spaces for eight and I was number nine on the list. And then, uh, so the, after they confirmed the eight people before me to go, I just, yeah, I just, I just had to eat that one. Uh, so it's really frustrating. It, it was especially frustrating because one of the people who went ended up dropping out almost immediately. Oh, so I was like, oh, come on. <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't call you after that guy? No, I'm sure they were, you know, they, they were probably deep enough in that it, it, I couldn't have caught up in time. Oh. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know, it, it's all turned out fine. But I, I did not get a job right away, partially because my focus was on 2D animation. And by the time that uh, I graduated, that was about when um, Princess and the Frog came out, which was the nail in the coffin for any 2d animation mm. um it was just they weren't doing 2d animation there or anywhere else really it's so the only place i think my friend uh, nick got me a job or he helped get me a job maybe gosh i want to say six months out because there's a long period of time where i was searching around and i couldn't find work um uh, because i had this skill that nobody was using oh. and um so i eventually got a spot out of this little boutique shop um doing uh it was kind of 2D animation uh, using Flash, and so I was able to, yeah, it was like it was like a little puppet animation, but you still had to draw occasionally, and uh, so I got a job there. That led to other jobs, and, you know, eventually led to where I am today. Oh wow! Which is yeah. Warner Brothers, which is right. pretty mighty in animation, if you ask me. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a lovely Looks studio. Funny. Scooby, yeah, all those guys. Scooby Holiday Hunt, I guess we're just going to have to read the stories or watch the cartoons, right? Yeah, uh, hopefully something, I don't know, maybe something will get leaked. And then, because if they leak it for free and somebody downloads a tour and sp spreads it around, technically they didn't release it. So, <laughs> well, we're <laughs> like, that's... Scooby, Scooby Doo, where are you? Exactly. Everyone's exactly. going to be like, Scooby, Scooby Doo, where are you? That, that's going to be the new <laughs> chant to, to Warner. Yeah. There, there, there's a there's yeah there's a few uh i think it's a few petitions out to try to save it try to get it to see the light of day yeah like one uh, the director of that too was going to come on the podcast but he was all down and i'm like well maybe after a month well i'll come back and talk because yeah. you have he's, other he's, things he's starting to cheer up you, or you have yeah. other stories to talk about you've done other he things does. So. he's got a wealth of experience that you should definitely hear about yeah so okay so let's um let's end part one here and ask cool. our, our awesome audience to come back to part two with john Dusenberry. 
story editor at Warner Brothers with so many good stories. Did you hear the story with like Ned Beatty, right? Oh my gosh. Like uh, he's got more stories to tell you. So come on back to part two. Thanks for listening.